Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Jessica Shepard is an expert on the criminal mind. Give me your hand. Get on your knees. Wilson, I need backup. (laughs) One more thing. This guy runs around grabbing up girls. He deserved a piece of your mind. I did kick the guy. That you did. But her newest case doesn't fit the familiar patterns. Body could have drifted in. We should check the tide charts. Because this time... I think I know him. Someone is profiling her. I felt like I was being followed. Now... Has anyone got like a sick fixation on you? Might be stalking you. Each new clue is a message. We pull her, might tip the killer, and we blow a good lead. That's gonna put her at risk. She's a cop. She knows the risk. And every victim... There's been another murder is a warning. Turns out I know both the victims. This is not a coincidence. I can take care of myself. Really? Is that why people keep dying around you? (laughs) Crime scene is clean. No weapons, no prints, no witnesses. How do you track a killer? This guy's covering his tracks. Thinks he's a pro. When the killer is tracking you. Shepard. I can hear your heart beating. Think he'd let you prowl without following you? He's watching me. Ashley Judd, Samuel L. Jackson, Andy Garcia. You always tell your partner the truth! I'm telling you now! There's nobody I can trust. Twisted. Welcome to They Called Us a Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. 
Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and other podcast services by searching They Call This Movie and find us on Twitter and Instagram at TicTamPod. That's T-C-D-A-M-Pod. We are also now a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation, and you could find them at GVNation.com. Welcome back to They Call This Movie. This is Anthony Delvecchio, and with me as always is Dan Aquino and Mark Myers. Say hello, gentlemen. Hey, how's it going, guys? So I thought in honor of this movie, I'd open a nice bottle cabaret sauvignon and so if you don't Ooh. hear me <laughs> you want to try to take two on that one what <laughs> on the pronunciation <laughs> our our french listeners are throwing their televisions out the window i don't know why they're watching this on television but <laughs> <laughs> maybe they're watching it on youtube <laughs> yeah they're the, our french youtube viewers have tossed their their tvs out in the streets of paris right now nice <laughs> you could just say a cab Right? Yeah, nice I, I, think I, actually, I think I actually have that in my notes. Just cap. Yeah, she has to have a big pour of wine. <laughs> it's a, it's a type of red wine. <laughs> a blush. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So as we always talk about this week, what did you guys watch? Anything? Yeah, I, I watched the the book of Boba Fett first episode. And I thought it was quite boring. And you know, that that's uh, all I have to say about that, really, I guess. Uh, expected more. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, I figured from, you know, Robert Rodriguez directing an action-savvy director would be much more action in it. I think there's one action scene in the entire episode. Granted, it's one episode, so I'm not going to go too hard on it, but mm-hmm. not promising. I'll keep watching just to see what happens. I'll give it another episode or two, but... Yeah, just a little underwhelmed. Okay. I haven't seen that, but I also haven't seen any of The Mandalorian, so, you know, that's just me. And I hate Star Wars, so... Mark hates Star Wars, so, (laughs) you know, you're not going to really get get much uh, conversation with us in this (laughs) aspect of it. Well, that's why you have me. There you go. I'm just just giving you the lowdown, the 411, as they say. You're watching this shit. I'm watching Letter Kenny. What'd you say? Mark. I'm saying I'm watching stupid ass shows like Letter Kenny. I have not watched anything, but a quick question about Letter Kenny. I heard mm-hmm. someone say that it's trying really hard to be It's Always Sunny. Is this true? Mm, I don't think so. I think they're very different. I think It's Always Sunny leans into the idea that these are the worst mm-hmm. people that you've ever met in your entire life. And that I don't think that's Letter Kenny's vibe. Okay. Yeah. I think that person uh, misses what both of them are trying to do. Yeah, and and just to say, it's not a person from Philadelphia, so it wasn't one of those, like, they're ripping off our show thing. Mm-hmm. It was someone else I knew, and I was like, oh, I haven't watched Letter Kenny, so I'm like, yeah, I wonder, you know, if this is true, if it's one of those things where I like a thing, but I don't like another thing, so I'm going to say it's copying. Right. I, yeah. I feel like they both have a lots of beer drinking. That's okay. about it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That, that That's, like, the only thing that I could draw the parallels to. And all right, so I think that's enough of a buffer between Dan and your movie. So. <laughs> yes. So I watched two movies this week. I will get into one first. I watched Don't Look Up. Oh, okay. I thought it kind of sucked. I've heard 50 50 on it from. Like, it's, satires are supposed to be funny. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get the idea that this one was trying to make me laugh. And you, you just didn't get it, Ant. As Adam McKay would say. It's too on the nose. That's the thing with Don't Look Up is there's not a way to not get it. <laughs> it's obvious. The metaphors in Don't Look Up are about as obvious as Love Gun. 
Uh, (laughs) His dick is the gun is about as deep as the metaphors in Don't Look Up. Yeah. It's like, and it's like, yeah, you're showing us things that are obvious direct parallels to what we've just gone through in the last year and a half. Great. Got any? That's about, that's where it ends. Where's, where's the, the humor? Where is the subtlety? You know, where's the subtlety? Where's, where's the point in showing us it? It's like, yeah, I see this shit on the news all the time. People are stupid and they want to be true. They basically want to be lied to. And then they realize they're being lied to when it's too late. Great. Like I could turn on the news and it's like, it's exactly the same thing. It's not very like it's not very clever in how it presents it. And it's it's not funny. It's just that's like Dr. Strangelove is super hilarious. And that's a satire of events happening as they're happening. You know, that's like and this is just not it's not funny whatsoever. Nobody's really particularly likable in it. Yeah. Yeah. Even DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence are supposed to be the two characters that we're identifying with. And he's not very likable. She's okay. She's fine. But yeah, I did not like it. Yeah, the the fun thing about the discourse I've heard on this movie is that the people that I've really liked it and are yelling at me to watch it are people I didn't expect to get it and tell me to watch it. You know, okay. I thought it'd be the ones that would be mad about the message. Sure. You know that's in it? Yeah. Um, you know, the boomers in my life. <laughs> um, and it's the younger people, now you're included, that are just like, that movie's crap. Hey, I'm considered a younger person. I was going to say, well, you're being good. very generous to help me. If I gave away the ages of the boomers. And... <laughs> still counts. Relativity still counts. Yeah. It's just weird that all the people that he seems to thought would love this movie seem to be the ones criticizing it. And it's yeah. it's it's kind of a, it's kind of a weird dichotomy on Twitter. I yeah, remember so. telling telling you guys how Id- Idiocracy was a was a much better much better movie in terms of being a satire, right? I mean, it's, it's showing you how we're progressing down this path where knowledge is kind of frowned upon and oh, it's it's better like it's cooler to be dumb and all this that and the other thing but it still has the humor it still has a decent storyline it's interesting and it it doesn't bash you over the head right with its messages i think part of idiocracy is that it's absurd it's yeah. so it's so over the top in terms of where the world has gone and and like dr strangelove going back to that because that's a political sat- a satire it's like everybody is just such a buffoon in that movie that it's right. that it's so over the top and it and both of those movies are funny this one just like nope it's basically direct one-to-one parallels between our real world and this movie and then that's it it's mm-hmm. the it's the electrolytes it's what plants crave Right, exactly. Yeah, There's no exactly. electrolytes in this movie. It doesn't have that. It, it, the closest thing they have to humor is probably Jonah Hill. And I, he got a couple chuckles out of me. But yeah, he was so unlikable. And I get it, supposed to be, but mm-hmm. it's just it, it wasn't normal Jonah Hill performance, I guess. Yeah. It's so on the nose. I'm like, all right, yeah, man, I get it. I get it. That capitalism, this, that, and the other thing. Global warming. Understand. We live in a hellhole as it is. I don't need to see it <laughs> all the time. We watch yeah. movies to kind of escape from that in a way. Sure. You don't need to shove it down my throat that, yeah, the, the world is burning. I Like Ant said, 
I look out my window, I could see that. Yeah. But the second thing I watched, I went to the theaters. And I'm surprised it's still in theaters. And I went to see Ghostbusters Afterlife. Got to watch it. And I enjoyed it. It's definitely the Force Awakens sort of situation yes. where it's it's just hitting the exact same notes from the first one. But this is the, this is my nostalgia movie, really. I know people were creaming in their shorts over the nostalgia of No Way Home. And that was fine. I enjoyed that movie, but it, I don't really hold a special place in my heart for Spider-Man's one and two. I just don't. If there were movies that I saw when they came out and I liked them, but I've seen them less than five times each. This movie, on the other hand, is is hitting all those great nostalgia bones. And I will fully admit that I liked it because of 100% because of nostalgia. It's a fine movie. It's it's fun. It's not great. And I think it's a I did not. I honestly didn't need to. A spoiler alert. I'm going to spoil that the original Ghostbusters do show up in this at the end. I didn't need them to show up and look old as fuck in their jumpsuits, to be honest with you. (laughs) I I wish they had made a mention of them earlier. Other than Ray, it would have been cool to see how they got to. Where are they in like Oklahoma or Nebraska? Yeah. Yeah, so it, it would have been cool to see them kind of, instead of j- them just showing up when the apocalypse is about to happen, mm-hmm. and then, you know, obviously Bill Murray with the, the witty one-liners and all that, but it's 100% Force Awakens, yeah. beat for beat, and, but I, yeah, I, I still enjoyed the characters enough to let it slide, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hated, absolutely hated, Paul Rudd and the mother becoming the gatekeeper and the key master mm-hmm. having a full-blown conversation and uh yeah. like their, their voices are like deep and you know it's so lame so lame <laughs> there are some cringy things to it yeah um, her having the same exact dress for some reason right <laughs> again the nostalgia like, hey remember yeah. in the first movie she wore this yeah that was kind of silly one thing that was going through my brain is like Carrie Coon plays the mother and the daughter of Egon. And I'm just like, she's old enough that she would have existed in the first movie. Where was she? Yeah, you'd think so, right? Yeah. Oh, I mean, 1984, Carrie Coon is not a year older than me. She's uh, several. She's probably my sister's age, maybe. Maybe that's what they were right going now. for. Like, she's just younger. Um, I don't know. But she can't like she's at she's at least like 40 in this movie, right? You would think she's got a she's got a fifteen year old. You would yeah. think that in in the logic of the movie, oh, she's from nineteen eighty wood. So yeah, she's a little bit older than my sister. So she should be thirty nine forty. So she is right. she is old enough to exist in nineteen eighty four in this universe. Hmm. Maybe she's supposed to be someone that's not. But then she's definitely older than someone that exists in night that was born in nineteen eighty nine. Definitely when the second movie comes out. Right. That was oh, the yeah, logic. That's a good point. That's the logic of the movie that kind of irked me a little bit. I was like, where was she in 1989? I don't even mention 1989's movie in this in no. afterlife. No, they don't. So As don't, a are... fucking Statue of Liberty walked <laughs> in that movie, and they just never talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, it's it, it warmed my heart to see, you know, quote unquote, all four of the, the originals in the yeah. gear. With the proton packs, you know, obviously with the ghost of Harold Ramis, Egon. Mm-hmm. It was fun. I still got a kick out of when the, the proton packs first turned on. Like, yeah. it, it definitely hit the right, like you said, it hit the right notes 
for 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 people like us. It was a uh, it was a love letter to the original Ghostbusters fans. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with yeah. it being very a, sh- a shallow remember berries sort of thing. <laughs> That's really a, I don't I didn't really need much more of that. It was fun. I had a good time. Um, now, quick question for you. Yeah. Because you, you've you've gone on record on this podcast as mm-hmm. saying you weren't a fan of the original Spider-Man movies. I didn't and, say I wasn't a fan of the, the original Spider-Man movies. They were movies that I saw in theaters. I enjoyed them. I owned them on DVD. But they don't exist as movies that I go back to and remember super fondly. I think I was a little bit... So I was like, when's the first one come out? 2002? 2001? 2001, 2002, so I was like 16 or 17 at the time. I mean, that's that's kind of like out of that. I feel like that's out of the nostalgia range of things. You know, those are now movies that I'm consuming as a teenager with disposable income rather than movies that I went as a kid and then just rat wore the tape out when I was nine. You know, it's a little different. Yeah. It's a little different experience. Okay. Watching a movie at 16 17 versus i'm watching a movie when i was eight if i was eight when spider-man came out sure i probably would have wore the dvd out or i probably would still watch it anytime it's on television but it's just not that's just not where it lies in the world for me as a movie that was like oh man i'm gonna pop on spider-man because i haven't seen it in probably close to 15 years maybe it's been a while it's been a while. I honestly have a sinking sinking suspicion they're not going to feel like they hold up particularly well after 10 years of, of MCU movies. I remember them being a little corny to begin with. Yeah, you know? I think they went more on the campy side. Very like true to the comic sort of campiness. You yeah, know? Like original like Stan Lee Jack Kirby Spider-Man comics. Yeah, yeah very I remember lighthearted. I remember Willem Dafoe being especially hammy and the voiceover when he when he's supposed to be in the suit, his dialogue being very hammy. I enjoy them, but I they're not movies that I I would put anywhere in my top 50 favorite movies of all time. I probably could think of 50 movies I like more than those, maybe even 100. Sure. I don't even know. Now, what was your point? So I, I guess my my point was going to be. So we have Ghostbusters Afterlife. I liked the uh, the Force Awakens, but we we called it for what it was essentially right it was a new hope part 2 we basically we have ghostbusters afterlife as our nostalgia mm-hmm. kick and the people who liked the force awakens kind of see where they're coming from now because mm-hmm. they love star wars so much they're willing to forgive same thing happening you know what i mean sure i feel like i, I was a little hard on that movie i get it and i i was just wondering if you kind of felt the same or if either of you felt the same well mark hates star wars so we'll probably you know we'll (laughs) ignore his opinion i never disliked force awakens i think force awakens is is a fine fine movie i I like last jedi too and i don't hate return to skywalker is not a good movie or whatever it's called revenge of the skywalker revenge of the Skywalker. skywalker i think rise of skywalker whatever it's pretty bad in terms of things there are things i like in it though it's stupid I would say that it's not it's not even so much that it's bad. It's it's just stupid and doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But there are things that I like in it. That whole just the whole scene where Kylo Ren is going to save the day at the end and like he gets surrounded by those guys. And for whatever reason, Adam Driver does that weird shrug after he pulls the lightsaber out from behind his back. I love that moment. It 
my immersion of this world is completely broken when he does that, but I love it so much. It's like he's it's trolling. so odd. Yeah, it's just such an odd moment of of like levity in this moment yeah. that doesn't feel doesn't feel like Star Wars whatsoever, but I just love that moment. Sith Lord trolling. <laughs> yeah. So I don't I actually I don't really hate any of them. Uh, I I'm surprised by that. I think I think I realized very early on in my life that Star Wars isn't as good as people want them to be on the whole. I think this I think the first two are excellent. But I think after probably after Attack the Clones is probably where I was like, hmm, maybe maybe the fact that these took 25 years to get made was a detriment to this series, basically. Yeah. Because actually it was probably like 18 years, I guess, between Return of the Jedi and Phantom Menace. Because it was just an entire generation grew up of those three movies untouched in their perfectness, quote unquote. I think I don't think people quite have the nostalgia goggles for Return of the Jedi all of a sudden. I think a lot of people have kind of turned on that recently, but they're they're just fun. You know, they're I don't think they're particularly special in the grand scheme of things. And I think that's the problem that people think they are special when they are marvel movies before marvel was a thing really yeah do you think how long till uh fast and the furious gets the uh nostalgia makeover man uh, just go to the jersey shore i'm sure there's people <laughs> just like oh man i grew up with fast and the furious bro go to dj's <laughs> my people I mean, how long, I, I mean that's such a fran that's such a huge franchise right i mean sooner or later it has to be remade or something, right? Like prequels are going to come out like Dom when he was 18. Man, Mark could get only so erect right now. Yeah. <laughs> Dan, you're you're making it really hard for me right now. Literally <laughs> more ways than Mark. Mark. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> have that effect on people, I guess. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like that, that's an older older audience, so I don't know if there's going to be like nostalgia goggles for things like that. I, I think the nostalgia thing was when they came back with the fourth movie. Gotcha. I think that's because it's a completely different thing from the fourth movie forward. Mm-hmm. So the thing you're talking about, I think, happened in the fourth movie. Theoretically, that was a prequel because it all took place before <laughs> Tokyo Drift. But No one cares. Yeah. <laughs> you brought it up. I did so not. I brought it up. I brought it up. <laughs> I love, I've seen, I think I've only seen one Fast and Furious movie. I love the idea that Rock just like flat out refuses to work with Vin Diesel now. After Vin <laughs> Diesel, like, you got to bring it home, brother, you know? And he was just like, no, I, I, I really don't. I'm not doing this. <laughs> I got my own thing. No. Yeah, yeah. I, he doesn't need that anymore. It's hilarious. I, I don't know why it cracks me up so much. Because again, I've only seen one movie and it wasn't with The Rock. Yeah, but how how this matters so much for you? It makes me laugh just because of all the things that that I know about the contracts where he Rock could never be seen to be taller than Vin Diesel when he's like eight inches taller than him. <laughs> just <laughs> massive in general. Yeah, I just yeah. it it's the best. I don't know why, but feud. It's such a silly feud. Yeah, and I wonder if it's like a like not one sided from the Rock that it's not even like a feud for the Rock. He's just like I. I'm I'm the Rock. I don't need to work with someone who's unprofessional. I have you ten know? jungle movies coming out in the next <laughs> you few know, years. Like, <laughs> you know, 
And you just love stomping through the stomping through the jungle with <laughs> insert attractive uh, yeah. actress A. He's like, I don't need to come back to this movie and work with your ass again. It's essentially his attitude. <laughs> hey, hey, you know, he's like you said, he's doing his thing. I just, yeah. I'm definitely waiting for these movies to get remade or. Like we were talking about, have some sort of nostalgia kick back, you know, and uh, it's they, inevitable. They already set the groundwork in, in the newest movies for if they wanted to go back to them as teenagers, because they cast teen versions of them yeah. in it. So starring Tom Holland. Yeah. Timothy <laughs> Chamelet. They'll be too big for Fast and the Furious. Come on. We yeah, get it? Possibly. I was happy with Ghostbusters. I, I kind of want them to stop, though. And I don't it know won't. if that's going to happen. With you know how it how it ended with Winston kind of going to bankroll this stuff now, I was like, oh yeah, man, right. I really don't want you guys to keep going. Yeah, it was a good end, I thought. Yeah, it was a nice capper, but exactly you know, money talks. Yep. Yeah. But, all right, that's all we watched. We talked a lot about it, about two two movies, but we're gonna take a quick break, and you guys are gonna listen to some ads while we pay those bills, and we'll be back in a second. And welcome back. Now it's time to get into this week's movie. And this week was Mark's pick. Yeah. So Mark, why don't you tell us what movie you picked? This yeah. So I had realized that we haven't had, it's not technically a genre, I guess, but a group of movies that, that I watched uh, a bunch when they first came out in the early 2000s and late 90s. Most of those thrillers starring Ashley Judd. And so I looked through the list and I was like, all right, which one is has the craziest premise? And I found it, the movie watched this week, which is Twisted from 2004, and realized that I believe I did this for, for my original blog like eight, nine years ago. At this point, I had completely forgotten that I watched it. But yeah, this movie, you know, holds up in the sense that it is very much one of those movies that she made back then. You know, she's in trouble or, you know, she's the focus of the crime or the the killer. So I was glad to see that. But the best thing I heard about this movie is that, as someone said, I believe it was in Letterboxd, said that it was the best 90s thriller released in 2004. And I believe that holds true because there are so many things that we knew by 2004 in terms of plot and writing and characterization and that this movie did not have, it feels like a movie written in the 90s that they just finally got to put on film. And it just feels like with the stars in it, you know, Samuel L. Jackson, uh, Andy Garcia, and Ashley Judd, it was just like, oh, it's a quick paycheck. You know, easy movie to get paid for. And, you know, it didn't look like either any of them put in 100% of effort into this. But a lot, parts of this movie are very, very problematic in 2021. And a lot of how they deal with certain things, especially from the cop front and, and things like that. But I was glad that we um, put this movie out there, even though that I sort of got the twist about halfway through. And then we'll get to that after I hear your guys' thoughts. Okay. Dan, what about you? Where are you coming from with Twisted? Dreadful. Absolutely <laughs> dreadful this movie is. Plotting pace. I hated the editing. The editing in this movie is terrible. It's Ashley Judd's character is in one place, and the next scene is in another place. And then the next scene, it's another place. They, they never tell you where she's going, how she got there, why she's there. It's just like one minute she's in the bathtub. The next scene, she's in the captain's office. Like, what? Where is the transitioning here? Uh, I figured out the, 
the twist pretty quickly. And that, I, I've said that before on this podcast. If I could figure out the twist, it's not a good movie. I, I'm way too dumb. And you should, you should be able to outsmart me pretty easily. Uh, I couldn't think whether this movie wanted to be Double Jeopardy or The Bone Collector. <laughs> because Double Jeopardy... Also st- starring Ashley Judd, right? She's framed. She's framed for a murder, and she's she's not sure if she did it or not. And the bone collector with was it a a policeman is is the subject of a killing. They think it's a policeman. That's a, holy shit, man! Everything about this. That's the one with Angelina Jolie and Denzel. Correct. Yeah. Collector. Like oh man, this was this was putrid. I think that's a good word to say. Putrid. I I hated this movie. <laughs> If I had hair to pull out, I would have been pulling my hair out watching it. <laughs> like, and you brought up a good point. Like, I hate this woman. Everyone hates her. Yeah. <laughs> the movie Amazing. hates her. Yes. <laughs> Everyone. Oh, man. It, but it, it's weird because the movie hates her. But everybody wants to fuck her. <laughs> yeah. But every man she meets, I got to get me some Ashley Judd. <laughs> and Despite I, the I, terrible I, haircut. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's a very early two thousands haircut. I th- I yeah. think I'm sporting the Ashley Judd right now. Actually, <laughs> you pull it you off. Got well. very similar haircuts. Yeah, I think so. You look good. Uh, I do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'd frame you for a murder, Aunt. <laughs> Where was I? I? I've only seen a few Ashley Judd movies, so it's this movie, Double Jeopardy. I think she was in Kate and Leopold with Hugh Jackman. Mm, so, I. I don't know if uh, she. I don't think she's Kate. I think that might be Meg Ryan. Meg Ryan is Kate, but she she could be in it. She was in a movie with Hugh Jackman. I remember she does like a uh, a cheerleader routine. Is it someone like like you? Yeah, that's what it is. It's something with Hugh Jackman. I remember seeing that. Yeah, someone like you. Yeah. Okay. And uh, not not good. Someone like yes, she's Jane Dale there. But yeah, uh, so my my Ashley Judd repertoire is very small so i've never really i've never really gotten a feel for her but apparently she's she likes to be in pop dramas that was her thing in the 90s yeah because her her run is kiss the girls in 97 eye of the beholder in 99 double jeopardy 99 high crimes in 2002 and then twist it uh was the last one in 2000 then i think that movie just disappeared for a while and then she never went back yeah yeah she was on an ABC show called Missing, so there's that cop drama. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Did she yeah. have ties Scratch to edge. cops in her life or something like that? I don't know. I don't. I just know her. Her family is the Judds. Yeah. That's it. That's all I know about her family. That are Winona Judd and her mom, which I don't know what her mom's name is. Naomi. Uh, Naomi Judd. Naomi, Naomi Judd. Yeah. yeah. It was just one of those things where she got she got typecast, you know, for those um, in that time period, and it feels like she was in more but yeah this feels know. like a decade long sort of thing but it yeah. was really only like four movies <laughs> yeah but it because it became the nowadays it would be you know a meme yeah you know oh it's a cop thriller must have ashley judd in it right <laughs> i yeah. i i don't know what to think about ashley judd i like fine i guess right like she, i i have no feeling no strong feeling one way or the other about ashley judd she's just she's just there mm-hmm yeah, she's, yeah. she's okay the, uh... in Kiss the Girls and Double Jeopardy, but yeah, it's not anything. She's not like this. She's she's the actress you hire when you when you need to make sure you have a okay 
to good performance. Like, you just don't need somebody to tank it. To make a, a callback to past, they called this a movie podcast, Ashley Judd, the John Travolta of women actors. <laughs> what What is she? Oatmeal? Is that what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just oatmeal. Oatmeal, and who would be Thai food in this uh, this equation? I don't Julia have Lewis. anyone. <laughs> we don't, don't have a Nicolas Cage comparison yeah. here. I don't know. I'm just trying to think time frame. One in this movie, obviously, but yeah. I'm just saying, is she? Would we have to say she's the uh, the one to one comparison of of uh, John Travolta? <laughs> I don't normally say this about John Travolta, but I think he's more talented than Ashley Judd. Yeah. Um, but is yeah. She, so what does that make her? Is, is, is she, that... She's just, like I said, she's the person you put in a movie that'll be really, look really good in the poster, look good in trailers, won't be like God awful terrible. And you can put other good actors around her and she won't bring the movie down. Ooh, I know exactly who she is. She's her co-star from Someone Like You, not Hugh Jackman, but Greg Kinnear. Yes, Greg Kinnear. Go. Oh my yes. God. He's perfect. Yeah. You need someone to hit a single, you call it <laughs> call Ashley Judd. Yep. I, I I noticed when I was looking on the IMDB page for someone like you, I saw Greg Kinnear. Like, oh I that's how I know to stay away from this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley Judd is when you don't have Angelina Jolie money. Right. Ex- yeah, she's the, There's the, she's the poor man's Angelina Jolie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she Angelina Jolie is the Thai food. Perfect. <laughs> I think you hit the nail right on the head there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. As for me, I this is the first time seeing this movie. I did see high crimes in theaters, though. Who? <laughs> I don't know, probably my parents. Yeah. I, I don't know why we saw high crimes. It probably came out in January. <laughs> Hold, on. Hold on, high crimes. I gotta see. This is the the one with Jim Caviezel. Okay, I, I'm gonna check. You, you can keep going. I just want to see what came out during the time of high crimes. All right. So this movie, it hate as we've mentioned, it hates Angelina Jolie's character mostly because she has she's independent sexually. I, I will yeah. say, yeah, she likes she likes boning, she likes fucking, and she likes wine. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and they, she, and yeah. I was gonna say, and they make the flimsiest of connections as to why she's like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she also likes beating up perps while they're in custody. Um, so a cab we have to say, we have to point yeah. out. Oh yeah. I didn't like you guys. I did not figure out the twist only because I was hung up on the fact that I knew the movie was trying to make us think that she was the killer and I couldn't get over the fact that that was the most obvious and better conclusion. Yeah. I sat there thinking, like, I know it's not going to be, there's going to be a twist that comes out of this, but I wish there wasn't because this would make a whole lot more sense. <laughs> yeah, this movie sucks. Everyone's trying to fuck Ashley Judd and, like, inappropriately, too. Like, the lawyer. He's just like, why don't you come over my place? Like, they're standing in the middle of a jail, <laughs> in <Yeah>. a jail. <laughs> He's just like, why don't we, uh, you know, go back to my place and we can talk things over in my hot tub. And then Andy Garcia, too. They're part. They're like partners. They've shown no romantic link together. And he's like pawing her face and he's cooking her a salmon dinner, which I think he was just cooking for himself. And she walked in on it. Yeah, well, he's like, he's that whole salmon to himself. Huge salmon that he's just cooking up for himself. 
ah, yeah, this is an unfun movie. No, and they made they made him the creepiest guy on the planet. Yeah, yeah. So, Ant, I, mm-hmm. I feel like the reason why your parents went and saw High Crimes with you, get ready for this uh, murderer's row of movies that came <laughs> out. Ready? So, did you track down what month this came out? It was April. April, okay. According April to IMDb, 5th. April 5th, 2002. So, I just, I looked up what movies came out around that time in April 2002. So, all right. Ready? Mm-hmm. Sweetest Thing with Cameron Diaz. Oof. The Scorpion King with The Rock. Damn. So, I saw that in theaters, too. <laughs> <laughs> Space Station. Never heard of it. Nope. Uh, Barbershop. Okay. Uh, I think, yeah, the first Barbershop. Has its fans. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm just, I just, I don't think your parents would be in that demographic. <laughs> no. No. Uh, American Psycho 2. With Did not, probably didn't go to theaters. <laughs> no, probably not. And then Life or Something Like It with Angelina Jolie. Oh, that's the one where she like is supposed to die, right? I've I never think. seen it. I think uh, that's like, that's the one where like Tony Shalhoub is like something, is, is some sort of prophet and tells her that she's going to die. And then it's like living her life to the fullest sort of thing. Yeah, that is Tony Shalhoub. Yep. Oh, this is a, a Greg Kinnear wannabe. Edward Burns, Burns. is the love interest in this. <laughs> I well, at least Edward Burns has the Brooklyn accent. He, yeah. he's got a he's little actually, flavor. Actually, Edward Burns. Let's be honest. He's when you don't have Ben Affleck money. Yeah. <laughs> I liked That's Edward true. Burns in uh, Saving Private Ryan. I thought he was. Yeah. It That's would all I be know just. From. As good, if not better, if that was Ben Affleck in that role. <laughs> it's uh, so the tagline for that is "Destiny is what you make of it." So that sounds like it's you're you're probably right. Yeah, she got that. She got that bad wig in that movie yeah, too. Yeah. What's with the '90s with just taking these these gorgeous actresses and just or to that early 2000s and just giving them the worst haircuts? I think like, we've kind of gone on record. We're saying we should really just sponge two thousand. Yeah, from the from the record books, you know, just, there there were no movies from from two thousand to two thousand ten. Like she looks like she's forty five with this haircut. Yeah, she does, and she's probably she's probably barely north of thirty in two thousand and two. Yeah, they probably did it because uh, uh, stuck her Channing's in this, and she was a brunette. So they're like, she's, well, obviously her opposite needs to be blonde. She's she's not even 30 in this movie. <laughs> she is 27 away. 27? Yeah. Yeah. No, she 1975 like she's she was born. Looks she looks like a middle-aged Bette Midler. <laughs> <laughs> not Bette Midler. She looks like a middle-aged Bette Midler. This is the this is the haircut they buried Betty White in. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. Rest in peace, but my goodness. <laughs> that, that haircut is doing her no favor. I I don't understand it. Like her you haircut have haircut in hackers is way better than this. And that haircut me, is awful. Absolutely. Like you have undeniably top twenty most gorgeous women in all of Hollywood, like history, and Angelina Jolie, and you give her this haircut. Yeah. yeah. And then you're you're talking about hackers. There's someone that could pull off the Ashley Judd haircut in this. Yeah. yeah, Stephen Herrick, you should be ashamed of yourself. You should be tried at Nuremberg for putting her in that wig. <laughs> oh man, it's that's a yeah, that's an affront to mankind. But we're actually not talking about life or something like that. We're talking about a completely different actress in the movie that we watched. Twisted. Yeah, yeah it's not fun. I also thought it was really weird that 
and it probably would happen because I don't think they would cancel the baseball game, but it was weird that they were in a live crime scene while a Giants game was going on in the background. McCovey oh, Cove. <laughs> and- Cove was was packed too with people. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, and Andy Garcia says the line that every you imagine every cop would say, walks up to this crime scene, dead body on the scene going, So what's the score? Yeah. <laughs> uh, just shooting the shit with a dead yeah. body although we we get a coroner scene where coroner is not eating that's yep. true and yeah and not listening to uh headphones right yeah yeah it was just cameron manheim so we could so this movie could remind us that this was made in 2004 <laughs> this movie was so boring it's unpleasant too like is she is she should be the killer that's a more interesting movie Right. Yeah. That is that she's just she's getting revenge on these on these men that take advantage of her and she yeah. just is a crippling alcoholic. She's a black yeah, they, widow, essentially. They they yeah. should have combined this movie and that one that came out last was it last year or two years ago? Promising Young Woman. Yeah, that's it. There you go. Yeah. Uh, and it just the, the logic of the whole thing is like so Samuel Jack spoiler alert, Samuel Jackson's the killer in this movie. Yeah. So he's going around finding out who she's sleeping with, and then he's like, "Oh man, I gotta kill another one." What the fuck? Stop yeah. sleeping with so many people. <laughs> <laughs> like he's just like that's his whole life. He's the commissioner of the police force in San Francisco. He's right. spending all his his extra time, the time in his hands he has. He's he's tailing Ashley Judd's character. Yeah. Until she hooks up with, brings a whole a guy back to her place to fuck. And then he's like, well, I got to kill this one now. Yeah, yeah. The, the, moment, I re- yeah, the moment I realized, and I, I would like to know when Anne picked it up, but the moment I realized was when the second time they asked him to take her off the case. And he's like, no, she needs to stay on it. I'm like, okay. That's exactly yeah. when I figured it out. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> this is. Yeah, any police commissioner who that person's their mentor is like, no, get her to fuck off this case. Yep. We need to we need to like have a cop watch her door to make sure she's not the killer. Right. <laughs> That's immediately like, oh, it's Samuel L. Jackson. Because they yeah. made it too obvious that it was either her or Andy Garcia. Yeah. And then it was the uh, yeah. the Asian uh, the Asian lady who was the neighbor. Yeah. <laughs> like every time she blacked out, she just saw the Asian lady. She never that never played anything into it. I thought she was going to talk to that woman like, hey, yeah. have you seen me leave the apartment or something like that? Like, yeah. talk to the old lady. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they, was, I don't they, know why they, they had that in there, to be honest. Yeah. And there was a there was a late gasp where I thought they were going to make it the ex-boyfriend. But Mark Pellegrino, yeah. Hulk Hogan's brother in No Holds Barred. Yeah. Was that him? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at this guy. A returning PC Tam uh, actor. Yep. When that scene came with him not putting her off the case, so just like, I was just like, "Well, that seems irresponsible." It's <laughs> <laughs> like it's like, why is she still on this case? Like after the second murder, it's like this is at the very least a conflict of interest. <laughs> yeah. And he hides it from everybody. Oh yeah. It's like he's gonna hurt her career. Mean. Like good, it should. <laughs> That's I mean, good. I really I chalked I'm... it up to the thin blue line. That's really where my head was at. Like, yeah. typical cops. Yeah, fucking pigs. <laughs> it's... Yeah, that whole conversation in the jailhouse, I was thinking of you, Aunt, when they were <laughs> talking about, you know... Or no, no, when they were on the pier talking, he's like, just say you're resisting. 
Yeah. That's, yeah. Yep, I have that in my notes. <laughs> but yeah, that's really what I like. So you guys picked up on and that's where you figured out. I was just like, that whole scene, I was just like, this makes perfect sense to me. He would absolutely do that because, you know, cops protect cops. Yeah. <laughs> now, I want to know. How many times did he drug her wine? Because she polishes off every bottle every night. Right. So that's the thing. I, so is he constantly going to her apartment? Like, all right, I know she's gonna she's gonna be drinking the hooch. So <laughs> yeah, he must be. It's the only explanation. Right. Yeah, he just knows that, or he just swaps the bottles out every night he does a murder. I guess. That would be like if Commissioner Gordon followed around Batman, just like murdered everybody that Batman hung out with, I guess. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, this is this is I obscene. Bet, I, shouldn't I be- bet Batman would have been happy a couple times if it was Robin that he did it too. <laughs> like, Alfred's dead. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Yeah, I that's such an abuse of power, first of all. Like, it, there's so much more he could be doing as a commissioner. <laughs> yeah. And and they and outside of her doing that one case, which could possibly get thrown out because of the way he she arrested him. Yeah. Um, that's the first thing that went through my mind when she kicks <laughs> the guy. Like, well, well, there goes the case. Yeah. She gets promoted for that. And <laughs> that's that's the only qualification you're given. And you know. That that goes nowhere either. Yep. Yeah, the whole point of that guy is just to, you know, keep the red herring going that she's the killer. Like him yeah. going, you and me, we're not that much, dif- we're not that different. Yeah. It's weird because like he never, it It would have been more interesting if it was like, they're like, well, we got to release him now because you fucked up. And like the murders start and then it's like, well, is it this guy or is it her? Yeah. For him to be the red herring of like, oh man, this guy's, how's she going to get him? And then it winds up being her. Because mm, yeah. that's the more interesting ending. Thank you. I, I agree 100%. Yeah, this yeah. movie 100% felt like a script that was sitting on some producer's desk for eight years. Yeah. And they just had, they had to make something to make whatever budget thing they have to do every year. I and mean, they were just like, we have to spend like, I don't know how much it costs, like $10 million? Oh, this was like $50 million, I think. Was it 50 yeah, this um, was yeah. no, they, no, it no was cheap. fifty million dollars, and I thought that was obscene. Yeah, it only be twenty eight back. Yeah, yeah. You know what I think would have been more interesting, in my opinion, if it was sort of like a memento type of movie where so actually Judd's character witnesses dad kill the mother, kill himself. But she kind of goes, she kind of goes into shock with that, and she becomes a cop. She's murdering people. I guess or or in her mind, slighting her or, you know, you give her whatever reason, but she's not remembering it and she's tracking down the killer. Obviously, the killer kind of turns out to be her. But I, I think that would be more interesting, right? It's it's something she's blocking her past, but it's the past that's the reason that's causing her to be this person. Yeah, there's only one line that I really like in this movie. It's when she's talking to the therapist and he's like talking about, you know, how you feel and all that. She's like, I'm working a case, and my best suspect is me. Like, how do you think I'm doing? Yeah, no, that, like, it, it's it would have been better if she was the, the main suspect. Yeah. That's a classic uh, trailer line, right? Yeah, that's a great. That's, cut that, yeah. put, put it in the trailer. That's your hook, right? Yeah, I'm just like, ah, that's a pretty decent line. The rest of it is like they try to like like justifying the drug thing is because he used to be on Vice. I'm guessing Andy Garcia's character knew about party drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's like all these really drugs. loose connections. It was real, yeah. And like they made the thing that he would be the only one to know about Rohypnol when everyone they mentioned Rohypnol to is like, oh yeah, the date rape drug. Right. 
Like, frat guys know what Rohypnol is. Right. It's like, why is it such a secret? I thought Samuel L. Jackson's character has the flimsiest of reasons for doing why he does it. All right, my partner's wife cheated on him. Now I have to continuously murder people? Yeah. Why? Well, he, well, you're talking about Samuel Jackson, right? Yeah, like what? Yeah, okay, so he was in love with the mother. That's why. He says that? Yeah. When did he say that? I think he was confessing at the end. I don't remember him He's saying like, I loved that. her or something. I thought he like, I loved him, like the partner. I, yeah, I thought he I said don't... her. He could have said him. I'm not I sure. don't remember. Regardless, yes, yeah. it is a flimsy, a flimsy reason. Because um, I don't really remember that yeah. whole that whole and, point. And he hates of... he hates women that are sexually liberated. That's what it that's is. What it is. Yeah, this is a very misogynistic movie because that's yes. not far from the point. Is that he's killing women that are free and practicing their sexuality? Yeah, it's, right? there's it's, no he, other reason to kill these men. They don't the do anything. What being protectful, you know? They don't do anything to Ashley Judd that warrants murder. They have sex with her. Uh, yeah. A couple of them are kind of creepy, but they're I don't creepy. Think and there's yeah. the dude that she brings home in the beginning that, like, it gets a little rapey, but she's like totally into it. Yeah, there's it, there's consensual sex had there. I think. Yeah, everything's above board. Like she admits, like she's t- she took all of these guys home to fuck them. Like nothing. <laughs> <laughs> she's not sexually assaulted at all in this movie. She What's has name Mark, Mark Pellegrino. Pellegrino. He yeah. tries. He tries. Yeah, he's the only one. My, my favorite, one of my favorite lines in this movie was when uh, Ashley Judd and Andy Garcia are kind of like, you know, they're hitting the path, they're hitting the beat, tracking down suspects, and they go to the apartment of the second victim. <laughs> yeah. And the the landlady is like, oh yeah, he was always late with the rent, playing drums at night. I'm glad he's dead. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, what do you mean? And then she's like, something about like, it seems like he'd fuck any sort of whore or something. Like, <laughs> right to a cop's face. <laughs> yeah. No chill whatsoever. <laughs> so, Twisted from 2004 is directed by Philip Kaufman, who was the director of The Right Stuff. And he has a story by credit for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Stars. Ashley Judd, Samuel L. Jackson, Andy Garcia, J- David Strathairn, Russell Wong, Cameron Manheim, Mark Pellegrino, and Titus Welliver. Has an IMDb score of 5.3. Rotten Tomatoes score of 1. <laughs> 1%. That is, that is dangerously low. Has, an, <laughs> has a budget of $50 million. Box office 40.9. Man. This what movie, they call the I, business as a bomb. <laughs> I don't know how this cost $50 million. Where did it Probably go? just because they shot on location? I don't know. Actor salaries? I don't know. Wouldn't yeah, I'm much. sure. I'm sure. I'm sure the top three got a good amount of money. You know, what do you think Ashley Judd was making in 2004? $10 million? Oh, I less, right? It's got to be like six, seven. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Let's say they all got $7 million a piece. Mm-hmm. $21 million went to that. That's not on. Un- unthinkable oh, probably maybe. not david straight there say... probably got like four or five maybe a little bit less because this was his pre pre-oscar nomination is this hmm? is this david straight there the therapist right, right. yeah uh, his name probably had to have gotten the most right samuel jackson <gasps> maybe i feel like ashley judd has to get the most right it is her movie it's top build yeah uh, it's also hollywood and she's a female so. that's true so right. like 75 percent of what samuel jackson was making yep 
but I, I, I think he probably got the the lion's share of that. Um, I guess he's he's two he's two Star Wars movies in. Yeah. Yeah. I feel I like he it. shows I up in a lot of shit movies, though. I feel like he's his asking price isn't as big as you'd think that it would be. Yeah, because now it's also pre-Avengers, right? Yeah, it's pre-Avengers, post-Attack of the Clones. It's a really weird time in Hollywood. Right. <laughs> this is pre-Snakes on a Plane. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. So the Black Snake Moan, he did some strange titles, right? Yeah, this is the same year as The Incredibles. Okay. But it was after SWAT and Basic and Triple X. Oof, changing yeah, he was on a losing streak. It gets a little cold there in the early 2000s. Formula 51. Never even heard of that. Oh, I remember. This is the one where he wears a kilt, I think. Oh, yeah, Lord. it's him and it's Robert Carlyle from 28 Weeks Later. Yeah, it's weird. An American master chemist plans to score big on a once-in-a-lifetime drug deal. All does not go as planned, and he is soon entangled in a web of deceit. Can I just read a bit of trivia here? This is going to sound like I'm raining on uh, Ashley Judd's parade in the movie, her character. But apparently, in uh, the SFPD, so she gets she gets a promotion at the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. She becomes an inspector. <laughs> it says that a, an inspector rank is just the next rank above officer, and they have the exact same uh, responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I guess for you, Ashley Judd's character somehow that made her a full fledged detective. Yeah. Right. She should have just stayed in her. Should have just stayed in her original position. Everybody liked her there. Yeah, yeah. She was like the 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 queen. Yeah. Everybody else in her new position hated her fucking guts. But that's one of those tropes, right? Like, the, the, not only is she. A a newbie she's a she's a woman right so you've yeah. got to be yeah who also has a really good relationship with the commissioner yeah which probably doesn't help in most right most areas if you if you got the little nepotism. yeah it, it, that never helps right if you have high connections people are gonna we're gonna be gunning for you mm-hmm. I, I i did quite enjoy the uh samuel L. jackson when he just completely shits on mark pellegrino's character <laughs> walks in he's yeah. like Tell me about the guy at the bar. I'm off duty, man. <laughs> I totally get that, though. Come on, yeah. man. You got to be able to turn off at some point. Yeah. Right. That's that's the problem with America, right? They expect you to take your work home with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, it's capitalism, baby. Maybe maybe police force is different, but I couldn't imagine saying that to like the boss CEO of the company where he goes, hey, show me you can do your job. Oh, man. Why are you quizzing me? <laughs> I would absolutely do that to my job. <laughs> but yeah, I'm not. I'm home right now. Do not expect me to answer emails or anything of the sort unless I'm getting paid. I'm in I would ask guy, like, am I going to get paid to do this? I'll do it if you want me. To, <laughs> if I'm on the clock, I'll do it. Good at something, never do it for free, Mark. All right. Mm-hmm. So, do you guys want to get in the plot? Let's do it. Sure. All right, Dan, what you got? Okay, just going to give a quick shout out to our friends over at. Uh, uh, Geek Vibes Nation, Tia and Brittany. Uh, they are both part of a wonderful podcast, two podcasts actually, uh, one Tea Time with Tia and Coffee Break with Tia. So both podcasts, Tia and Brittany, just kind of hanging out, shooting the shit, talking about random subjects, movies, uh, TV shows, video games. Check them out, Geek Vibes Nation, gvnation.com. Uh, Tia is also the head writer for Geek Vibes Nation. She writes some wonderful articles. Brittany is on Twitch. She streams 
most nights of the week, itty bitty Brit. And you can check out Tia at TC underscore Stark. Okay, great. And we are going to take a quick break and you guys are going to listen to some messages from friends of the podcast. And we will be right back. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parlay of topics on each episode. You can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts, such as the one you're listening to right now. Don't forget to check out OchoGuroParlayHour.com, where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607 podcast info, and parlay points are a companion block section of the show. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Welcome, travelers. Seems like you're looking for a story. Well, I got one for you. It involves adventure, friendship, and all hey, sorts hey, of... Hey, uh, Earl, why don't you tell him about that time I stole that big-ass melon? Yeah, yeah, I, I was going for more Or you epic. could tell him about the time I kicked her ass, Earl. I wouldn't ever tell him Do I need to get time. my ref gear on? Okay, everyone, shut up. Now come with me. As I tell you a story from afar. Hey everybody, my name's David. I'm the DM for From Afar Podcast. A From Afar Podcast is all about four friends separated by distance, brought together by adventure. Hope you all stop by and give us a listen. Thanks. And welcome back. Now it's time to get into plot four. Twisted. Almost forgot the name of the movie. Uh, we open right on a sexual assault as Ashley Judd gets groped at knife point in a place where there's no logical reason why she should be there. But surprise, she's actually a cop and winds up countermoving the guy's hold on her and cuffs him. And then gives him a whole bunch of contradictory instructions and then kicks him in the back, in the face while he's handcuffed. A cab. And yeah. then, good. He, he was resisting it. Mm-hmm. That's what they'll say. That's what they'll put in their police report. Fucking pigs. Then we cut to a bar as Ashley Judd's ass in a pair of jeans celebrates with seemingly the entire force. She plays Jessica Shepard. She's on the verge of promotion to the homicide department. And then Andy Garcia shows up being all Andy Garcia in a leather jacket. And then Hulk Hogan's brother from No Holds Barred is there too. And he's less good of a, a police officer because he's getting overlooked for the same promotion. Then Nick Fury himself, Samuel L. Jackson, shows up and he's the police commissioner and Jessica's mentor. And he tells her she almost fucked up the whole situation with with Porter, the guy that assaulted her in the opening scene. Or is, his name is Coulter or something like that. Coulter, yeah. Coulter. And apparently she did not do things by the book, which sounds sketch as fuck. Yeah, you didn't have any backup. Like, what were mm-hmm. you doing? It's. It seems like... It, it just doesn't add up why she's there by herself. I get it. It yeah. feels like they had an idea for her to be like this, you know, uh, off the book, you know, sort of cop that gets the job done. But then they never go back to that. Yeah, I feel like they probably had a longer scene planned of like how they got him there, but they're like, eh, it's cheaper to just do it this way. And then John Mills, Samuel Jackson, apparently raised Jessica after his partner, her father, and her mother died in an accident, I think officially they say right here. Uh, Jessica then leaves her party to go to a dive bar to pick up a rando to take back to his place, and they fuck. That's kind of rapey. Like he starts grabbing her really strong, hard, but she counter moves it but then they she's totally into it too at the same time um i don't think 2004 is great for the time of like consent and what constitutes that kind of stuff yeah she goes back to her apartment and just has a look at a box that has her childhood toys in it which is a super normal thing to do 
Oh, and underneath that are pictures of a crime scene with someone with a bullet in their head, which is also super normal for someone to yeah. do. And the super normal thing she does with the toys is make them kiss. <laughs> there you go. So, well, <laughs> she's just she's just a sex pot, man. Yeah. Just just fucking all the time, twenty four seven. Then she has to go to a court mandated therapy session because of the assault in the first scene. And David Stray there, and as her therapist, one year away from his Good Night and Good Luck Oscar nomination. And she says she doesn't need to be there because she's the picture perfect. She's the picture of perfect mental health, which seems unlikely because she is a cop after all. And then she has some self defense training, then goes to work at Homicide and meets her new partner. And surprise, it's Andy Garcia playing Inspector Del Marco. And the other inspectors already don't like her because they were working the case that she broke. Then the guy that assaulted Jessica in the first scene, Coulter, tells his lawyer that Jessica lured him to the location and beat him while he was in custody, which sounds like that's probable. Mm. Then Jessica and Del Marco show up to the jail and talk to the lawyer, Porter. Porter tells Jessica that Del Marco is a loose cannon, so watch out for him. And he also tells her that he still thinks about that night, so they have a history. And I like how she he's saying that Del Marco's the loose cannon when he's trying to get his client released because she abused a person in handcuffs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gotta watch out for that guy. <laughs> then Jessica has dinner with Mills, and he basically lays out the entire idea behind the thin blue line, telling her to rely on the self-defense idea, and it's her word against Coulter's in any investigation. ACAB. <laughs> At the next therapy session, her therapist asks her about her parents, who mentions that her dad went on a killing spree, killed her mother, and then committed suicide. And then Jessica goes home and drinks wine. Then things get blurry and she passes out. She gets woken so, up by... Oh, God. Sorry. So the the only reason why they throw in the killing spree is because they want you to think that Ashley Judd's character is also going on a killing spree, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it, it's, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. But it... So the wife had the affair. That caused him to go on yet. a killing spree? Yeah. But we don't know that yet. Yeah, we haven't found that out yet. It just, again, seems a little flimsy. Mm-hmm. I don't know how often maybe it's happened. I don't know. It just seems strange to me. Yeah, and I, I mean, like the we'll go we'll go to the fact that, and this gets later in the movie stuff too. But you know, his her dad was a cop, went on a killing spree, killing people, and now there is people coming up dead that have a connection to her. And none of the cops are like, we should like just put her in like holding for a night or something. You know, the the one cop is very suspicious of her, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I forget probably, his name. Probably but he, the good detective. Right. <laughs> Is uh, uh, Dale Becker. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Titus Welliver. So he's very suspicious because he comes to like, oh, have we uh, have we labeled uh, Detective Shepard as a suspect? And everyone's like, get out of here, Dale. You, you hater, you. How dare yeah. you? And, and then he's like, out. <laughs> he was 100% right because he says, Are we sure that she didn't sleep with a second victim? And it's like, And she's like, I totally fucked victim number two. <laughs> she attacks him for it. Yeah. She kicks him right in the back. Yeah. That's that's something that a, a an honest police person does, right? <laughs> Kick a dude in the back. She gets woken up by her. Uh, she gets woken up by her 2004 era cell phone ringing, and it's Del Marco telling her that they have a murder call to investigate. And she slept through the entire day. I thought this was going to be a running gag throughout the movie. <laughs> kind of is. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ, Shepard! How many times do I have to do this? Yeah. Um. It's on the shores of the bay outside Pac Bell Park, currently Oracle Park, and they investigate 
the body while a game is going on and JT Snow comes to the plate. Jessica realizes <laughs> they they come over the the you hear the the PA announcer announce JT Snow come to plate. Wonder how he did that year. I wonder what kind of numbers he put up in 2004. I don't know. Why don't you pull that up for us? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Then Jessica realizes that she knows the guy that was killed. She fucked him about a month ago, I think. And she says it's it's been a while. Yeah. Um, At the at the autopsy, Cameron Manheim shows up to remind us it's 2004, and she says that she couldn't find any trace of evidence on the body. Del Marco and Jessica take the police boat out in the bay the next day to try and find a place where the murder could have taken place. They found they find sand in the body's jacket cuffs, so they go to a nearby park with the beach, which just so happens to be the same park where Jessica banged the dead guy. Right now, while watching this movie, I'm 100% sure she's murdering dudes she's picking up at the bar. Yeah. They go back to the precinct, and Jessica starts to think that they might have a serial killer, and the other cops laugh at her because they only have one body. Del Marco then... Del Marco and Jessica then go to a Mexican restaurant, and Andy Garcia shows us just how white he is by his inability to clap along with the music. <laughs> I noticed that too. You shouldn't be frequenting that bar. <laughs> and Mark Pellegrino shows up for some reason and stares creepily at both of them for a bit, and Jessica swears he's not her boyfriend. Uh, real quick, Aunt. Yep. J.T. Snow in 2004 with the San Francisco Giants batted 327 of home runs. Uh, 113 hits, how many RBI? He had 60 RBI, so not a terrible year. Yeah, good high average. It sounds like he didn't play the whole season if he only had 130 hits with a 320 average. His OPS was 958. That's pretty good. What was his at-bats? He had 346 at-bats. Mm, yeah. Sounds like a half a year. He had. Uh, he played 107 games. Okay, yeah. Pretty good. Yeah, not a bad season. Go JT Snow. He only struck out 60 times. Not bad. Not at all. Uh, That was a good reference for them to bring up, I guess. Yeah. They didn't even know it in 2004. They were just (laughs) trying to be timely. (laughs) Then she goes home and drinks more wine because she can't stop having wine. Then she has a really weird uh, moment and passes out and is once again woken up by her 2004 era phone. Another body floating in the bay. And she notices she has a black eye and a cut on her face, which... Now, does that he not make sense? Face? Right. That doesn't. Why does that happen? Like she, she must must wakes up with a cut on her face and a black eye. Now, so her nightly. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, and that's, and that's what, and that's what makes her not have an alibi. That's what makes her the, <laughs> the the suspect is the fact that she passes out and can't remember what she does because he could go b- around killing these guys. And then she would have an alibi to back up the fact that she didn't kill these dudes. I think He's he the was commissioner. No one's going to suspect the commissioner. I think he was training her to be him because he basically lays out like he's going to have DeMarco kill himself, quote unquote. Right. You know. His plan his plan eventually is that it's all going to it's all going to fall on Del Marco, right? Yeah. But yeah. the basic point of part of his plan is that he drugs her nightly mm-hmm. in yeah, order a- to get Del Marco, he's going to plant the roofies on Del Marco. And it's like, Del Marco's the one that yeah. is is drugging her so she passes out. So he, he can... kills the guys that she is not fucking at this current moment. I am. Mm, this is falling apart. This and... is 100% falling apart. No wonder why this probably sat on the shelf for eight years. Yeah, there's. And it doesn't make sense. Why on earth does he bail out? only person who could stop him 
the end. You're you're planning on putting this on DeMarco. Keep her in the fucking jail cell. That way yeah. everyone knows it's not her. I don't yeah. There's a lot of like there's a lot of parts of this where it's just like, okay, well that doesn't make sense. How did Samuel uh, L. Jackson make it all the way to commissioner? Yeah. <laughs> Oof. San Francisco no less. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a very big city. That's, I, wow, this it, is. It, it feels like a movie that was written, and they were like, "Well, we have to have the scene where she figures out that he's the killer. Mm-hmm. How do we do that?" Right, which is all well and good, but so don't drug her. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like they had all these pieces to a movie, and then wasn't talented enough to put them all together. Again, it, this movie is better if she's just the killer. She's yeah. the killer, or mm. yeah, damn, we can't hear you. Or if if he like really gaslights, her, you know, your dad. Yeah. Here, was you're dropping crazy. Yeah. Shit. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, yeah. Let me say. Crazy. Right. Yeah. Uh, I yeah I, gaslighter. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, I I think the one person that has the only normal reaction in this movie is that guy that comes in and throws all the folders in front of him and she starts crying. He's like sort of sitting there going, what do I do? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting this. I wasn't expecting this. <laughs> yeah. So you go to the pier and investigate the body, and they notice the same cigarette burn as the other body. And what do you know? This is the guy that she picked up at the bar the night of the celebration party. They go to the and autopsy this time. Okay. Real quick. It's not going to be much longer. Than this goes back to Dan's editing point, because they they make such a big deal early in the movie about showing that tattoo on his hand mm-hmm. that you're like, all right, this guy's going to like die at some point, right? They're zoo- or it's going to be That tattoo is going to be connected somehow. Yeah. Like It wasn't even subtle. It was like, you know, they zoomed mm-hmm. in on it. Yeah. And yeah, that was terrible, terrible filmmaking. Mm-hmm. They go to the autopsy this time in Mannheim, finds blood splatter inconsistent with the wounds on the body. So it might be the killers. Then she goes to the therapist and tells him that she also knew this dead guy. And he says she needs to tell someone because she could be in danger. And in the parking lot, she drops her keys on her car and winds up pulling a gun on the therapist because she thought someone was following her. She goes to Mill's house and talks to him about her dad, and he tells her that she he shouldn't have told her dad about her mother's affair, and that she should also just focus on the case. Back, back at the precinct, she she starts going through the evidence with the other sus, the ins, other inspectors, going through the pictures and talking about the cigarette burns. Then one of the other inspectors suggests that Jessica is the killer because maybe she slept with victim number two. He doesn't know that this is true, but it is true, and the male cops all have a great laugh about it. So she kicks the cop right in the back. And this could be the first movie we've watched that we heard the word cunt every <laughs> I was say I was thinking the same thing. I was like, man, he drops a hard C on her too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This movie hates women. Uh, <laughs> Del Marco takes woman. her. Yeah, this movie is not a fan of this woman. Del Marco takes her out of the room and to cool off. And she tells him that she did in fact sleep with suspect number two or victim number two. And he freaks out on her because she lied to him. So Del Marco and Jessica sit down with Mills and their lieutenant to discuss all these facts. And Jessica says that she feels like she's being watched and she can't stop fiddling with her cigarette. Cigarette burns, guys. Remember that. Then Mills tells her she's being reckless and she needs to get her head on straight. Is is that the only reference to the cigarette? uh, does she smoke in any? She never smokes. She never okay. smokes a cigarette throughout this movie. The Mills tell. The Mills tells her she's being reckless, and she, then they go to the bar where she picked up victim number two. And the bartender knows her, but thought she was a hooker. Then she manhandles the bartender because he's never. She's never seen the guy leave with anyone else but her. And she goes to his apartment, and the landlord says he was a piece of shit that would fuck anything. So she goes back to her apartment and finds Mark Pellegrino in her apartment. 
who then tries to assault her. So she beats the shit out of him and tells her to tell he tells her she's a psycho and leaves. Then she goes to speak to Coulter in jail, but she doesn't get much from him because this movie doesn't really care about this this movie this thread of plot. Then Coulter's lawyer shows up and freaks out on her for talking to his client without him, which is like you got to blame your client for that. Cops are going to do pull any all the shady stuff, right? But then he sexually harasses her into trying to get her to come over to his place. In the back of the coroner, Cameron Manheim tells Jessica that the blood she found is in fact not the victim's, so if they find blood that matches, they'll find the killer. Jessica goes back to the precinct. The other inspector, Dale, tells her that he knows that she slept with the other victim, and that it's crazy that she's still on the case and tries to goad her into attacking him. He's got a point. So she goes to Del Marco's place because she thinks that he told the other inspector about her history with victim number two, and he yells at her because he says he didn't, and then he tells her she can't leave because they got quote-unquote work to do. I think the work is just having a romantic dinner of an enormous piece of salmon, which Del Marco was just going to cook for himself, I guess, before Jessica came by. That might be the largest piece of salmon. That it's huge. It's entire. That's, that's like $30 worth of salmon. And then he hits on her because that is what a good partner does, I suppose. And then they make out, but she stops it before it gets, goes any further. And this is the first time she's ever shown restraint whenever it's dick getting time. Yeah, well, I think she mentions at one point that because of the ex, um, she was never going to do that and work again. Mm, yeah. It's funny that there's no sexual chemistry between the two of them <laughs> up until Not that at all. point. Not at all. They, and he's like pawing at her face, too. They don't hint at it whatsoever. Yeah. If you, I if, mean, in this scene, if you told me Andy Garcia was drunk in this scene, I'd 100% believe Probably. They kind of make a, it's a very, again, flimsy where Samuel L. Jackson says, hey, you know, don't shit where you eat. He's like, yeah, I got that. I'm not going to bang my partner. Thank you. And then the partner yeah. tries to bang her. Yeah. And he, like, he grabs, he, first he feeds her, like, and then he's like, I like, I love to watch you eat. I'm like, oof. Gentlemen, don't say that to women. Yeah. Please. I like the way Dial you eat. Bad. Not sexy. Fuck, <laughs> and then this was the first, looking back on it, hint they dropped about Samuel Jackson's character. You know, because he's like, he used to say, I, my, I eat just like my mother. And, you know, in my head, at least, looking back, mm. it's like, oh, that was putting it down that maybe he was obsessed with the mother, you know. Yeah. Possibly, yeah. Yeah. Back back at her apartment, she has a delivery of roses from the lawyer guy, and then she just she's got another big pour of wine that she down the hatches until she passes out again as she cuts the stems off the roses. So she goes to the lawyer guy Ray's house to see what kind of info he's got for her, and Ray's dead in the hot tub with cigarette burn on his hand. She gets interrogated by Del Marco, but it's more or less a formality, and the lieutenant says he wants to take her off the case and Mills tells him no it'll kill her career which is insane that she's still on this case I love uh, Titus's acting here when they're walking up to the scene and the lieutenant walks by him and he just points (laughs) like yep she's right there of course she's yeah (laughs) at this point I've resigned myself that she won't be the killer because it's the most obvious and least stupid ending this movie could come up with she talks to her therapist and then has some bad dreams she then drops off her blood sample camera Mannheim and asks her to expedite testing her blood for her. She goes home and has more visions of herself killing the victims. So she she decides to walk around the Presidio and nothing gets accomplished. <laughs> and then and then we're back in her apartment with another big old glass of wine. Yeah. She's sucking down the Cabernet in the tub while she hears someone trying to enter her apartment. So she takes her gun out and opens the door and it's Del Marco who also draws his gun. He says he's getting a feeling that someone is following him too. So he comes into the apartment, locks the door behind him. 
she gets a bad feeling so he tell she tells him to get out and pulls the gun on him again and then she passes out in his arms and says everyone that kisses everyone she kisses winds up dead classic rogue origin story yeah. um he he puts her on the couch to sleep and he acts like a real creep before he lights up a cigarette she wakes up and her phone is ringing again but when she answers they hang up hmm. don't know what that's about yeah, that that leads nowhere she goes to see Mills, who tries to test her of her awareness to her surroundings, and she fails, and he tells her she's falling to pieces. So she goes home to drink more wine. <laughs> and and Jimmy shows up and threatens to beat her, maybe even kill her. They tussle. She locks herself in a room, which he breaks the window to get in, and then she passes out. Now, when she wakes quick. up, go ahead. So Jimmy, at this point, has full control of what's going on, right? We yep. don't know if John Mills, Samuel Jackson, John Mills, is he there? He he probably, Jimmy probably had an ample amount of time to just do whatever he wanted. Yeah, it's it's crazy because doesn't she actually have, so he's killed by the corkscrew, right? Uh, she killed. Yes. You're led to believe that she stabs him in the head or the neck with corkscrew, which I think she had, she had in her hand when she goes yeah. to hide. So... Mills would have to enter the apartment if he's not already in the apartment. Um, overpower Jimmy. Overpower Jimmy, then take this corkscrew, and then kill Jimmy. Right. Then set it up as if they, you know, nothing yeah. had happened, possibly. Unless he's there as Jimmy is there before she comes home. Right. And it would Makes make a no lot sense. more sense to kill Jimmy before she gets home, but... Yeah, it, again, and and like I said earlier, he's setting her up as the killer. Why? Yeah, it doesn't seem to be his intention. There's no payoff his, for that. But his plan is putting her right in the crosshairs. Yeah, it's such a poorly thought out plan. Yeah, like I, I, like I said, it makes a lot more sense if she's just the one doing the killings. When she wakes up, Jimmy is dead, apparently killed by a corkscrew. She gets interrogated and breaks down crying. Her therapist shows up to talk to her while she sits in a jail cell. And Mills shows up with some tox screens of her blood to show that her blood tested positive for Rohypnol. Mills takes Jessica out of jail and tells her that it was Del Marco. He's been following her and he has an intimate knowledge of her comings and goings. So they go to Del Marco's apartment and Mills starts pushing his weight around, pours them all a big old glass of wine and basically forces Del Marco to drink it. Starts telling him all about Rohypnol and it turns out that Mills drugged Del Marco and starts quote-unquote finding... All the evidence around Del Marco's apartment. Mills starts setting up the quote-unquote crime scene and tells Jessica that he had to kill her mom and her dad. So, basically, Commissioner Mills was killing all these guys because he just hates a woman with sexual independence, I suppose. Mike runs off half-drugged on Rohypnol and somehow makes it to the pier where we have one final standoff among the sea lions. Um, (laughs) I, I laughed out loud when she shoots and all the... All the sea lions start like doing their weird yelping noises. Yeah. <laughs> Just or, or as the or as the um, close captions told me, barking. Yeah, sea lion barking. Um, yeah, uh, bravo to the sound engineer for yeah. putting that that little piece in. <laughs> when, when, the, when the sea lion dives under Samuel L. Jackson's corpse at the end. <laughs> I don't understand what the shot there is supposed to this, signify. Uh, this whole pier scene is great. Just the just the cut back to the cop bar and all the cops like not knowing what to do and running out the door <laughs> to try <laughs> while he's, he's on the phone. Yeah. 
I guess, has him on speaker. Yeah. yeah. Long story short, Jessica manages to call her old partner and hide the phone from Mills' view as he confesses the whole thing. And basically, the whole precinct races to save her. So then Mills threatens to kill himself and then Del Marco, which causes Jessica to shoot and kill him. And then everyone shows up just in time to fish him out of the water. And that's the end of the very stupid twisted. Um, yeah, it's all problematic. And we we figured out live while going through the plot that it makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. Um, wild, wild stuff. Wow. Yeah. And, and again, we... To make this movie better, you you simply have her be the killer, or you essentially you have to leave a better trace away. Ashley Judd, it's one of those two. You can't have it be lead the you lead the trail towards her, only for you to say no. It's going to be Demarco or Del Marco. You that's never come up, right? right? So you either have it where it leads away from her, or it's going to be her, right? So uh, we're. In the last 20 or so minutes of this movie, we're first led to believe it's Ashley Judd, and then we're led to believe it's Andy Garcia, and then we eventually find out it's Samuel Jackson. That ending is makes the least sense. Yeah. Number one, Ashley Judd would make the most sense. Number two, Andy Garcia would be would make sense too. If he was upset with her going through the ranks, coming up the ranks quickly um because she's because she's with samuel l jackson uh, is her mentor and he's the police commissioner um that would make sense and he maybe he just hates women i could see that and he he knows her past right um that makes more sense if it's just he is uh drugging her and making it look like she is killing him to drug good i'm sorry i was i love your idea and where uh, Edmund Cutler, the, the guy from the beginning, Leland Orso's character, Orso's character, he gets off on, you know, police battery, essentially, right? Like uh, excessive force. Yeah. And the killings start again. And it's it's Ashley Judd, you know, essentially masking, using that character, uh, uh, Edmund, using that as a cover for these killings. Like, oh, is it Edmund? Is it is it Shepard? I think that makes so much more sense. And it's such a more intriguing movie. Yeah. It's then, definitely, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, we are left. The movie, like, the, the ending this movie gave us makes the least amount of sense. You could even have it where Samuel L. Jackson's character is, you know, going to bat for her. Oh, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. telling you, you know, John, it, it, we got to take her off the case. No, you can't take her off the case. You can't. It's going to hurt her career. Maybe he's the one that has to put her down in the end, you know? Yeah. Or what they could have done was they have this movie play out more or less how it happens, but then she thinks it's Mills doing the killings for whatever reason. And then she goes to confront him, and he's dead. Ooh. And it winds up being Andy Garcia. Okay, yeah, that works out fine. You gotta reverse it. Yeah, um, I could see that being... A, that's a way better twist than it being uh, how it ended. Yeah, like we stopped this podcast to try and figure it out, because it doesn't make any sense. Right, because his actions to what is what's his motive? But here's what I think they wanted to go with the motive and just miss the mark is that he was obsessed with the mother. Maybe she looks like the mother now, so he's becoming obsessed with her the same way. But they never explain that or get to that point. That's just me probably being a better writer coming up with that. Yeah, because again, she's not in any danger with any of these men other than Jimmy, who's an ex-boyfriend. Yeah. Right. Um, 
so these guys are dying because she has a healthy sex life. It's probably unhealthy, like mentally, like she's competent. She's uh, he's using it to fill a void. Yeah, exactly. But in terms, like sexually, she's having a healthy sex life. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> they make so, sure to give a, a real good dig at her, though, man. Yeah. When uh, what is it? The 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 chief, <laughs> like oh, you know, she says, oh, I, you know, I picked up a stranger at a bar and I took him home. You've never done that, Lieutenant. No, I I haven't. Like, okay. Like maybe in my dreams. Oh yeah, maybe in my dreams. That's right. Oh, okay, dude. But yeah, like, cause I that I yeah, it's, it's I'm truly struggling to kind of piece together what his motive is and why his plan would be to put her in direct line of the of the investigation. Because he's like he, it could just be like the lieutenant could have easily just said, "No, I'm pulling her off the case," which he would have said, which he says would kill her career. He's mm. putting her own her career in jeopardy for this long con of pinning it all on Del Marco for no reason. He gets her thrown in jail. Yeah, how is that not going to hurt your career? <laughs> That's the worst thing that could happen, I'd imagine. <laughs> yeah. This is wild. So that's the worst thing that can happen to anybody's career going yeah. to jail. Not great. Just Not great when you when you have to call and tell your boss, ah, I can't come in today. I'm kind of in jail. I've gotten framed. <laughs> I've been framed <laughs> for murders of people I've slept with. That's a hard one to bounce back from. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't really have anything else to say about this one. No. Yeah. Just it, it's a poor movie. It's a it. The Rotten Tomato score reflects accurately on Twisted. It deserves a 1%, definitely. I think the 1% comes from when Samuel L. Jackson uh, mentions the title of the movie, when he says it, it's a, it's like something something's twisted. It's a twisted world or something like that. That's, <laughs> that's probably where the 1% came from. Yeah, probably. Uh, all right. Yeah, I think that's going to wrap us up this week. Um, I think this is another week where we don't really have um, our socials, so we're going to kind of keep this short. I'm probably going to cut this part out and we'll just do something with it. Um, so that's going to wrap us up this week. The director of Twisted was Philip Kaufman. So for Dan Aquino and Mark Myers, this is Anthony Davicchio telling Philip Kaufman, well, you certainly made a movie, didn't you? Thanks for listening to They Called Us a Movie. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at TicTampod. That's T-C-T-A-M-Pod. You can also check us out on TikTok at They Called Us a Movie. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. 
Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 